saw is not a man. It is the devil himself. Are you just a dream, Merlin? A dream to some. A nightmare to others! Gone, gone, the fourth man. Lies the Once more, with words of meters rhyme, comes Etrigan the Slayer, just in time. Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of Third Degree Burn. I am Tim Elliott, and I have got a shorter crew than normal. I've got John Hyatt. Hey, everyone. And Brian Hughes. I have a name. <laughs> a name etched in blood. Blood from Halloween. The All Hallows Eve. Oh, great intro there, Brian. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's the brim. It's the brimstone. Uh, yeah. Is this the Wagner around? <laughs> we are. Uh, this is uh, one of our. This is a Halloween episode because this is Halloween, uh, and we wanted to cover. Uh, we're covering some more. You know, scary, more adult, more. You know, Halloween f- uh, feel for the the books we're doing this month. So. Brian, you like to tell the people listening uh, what we are going to cover the tonight. You're doing such a great job there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so we're going to uh, go back and look at more of Blood of the Demon. Uh, we covered that last year. I think, did we start with the first issue? I think Yeah, we issue one. Issue one, was... and we're going to be covering issue 13 here. And what makes it, uh, you know, really unusual is that it's the first issue in the whole one year later bit that DC did uh, where every book across their continuity jumped one whole year uh, later and this is you know one of those you know company-wide events that probably brought a lot of ire from the creators I know Byrne himself wasn't really happy about it because you know there were different storylines and, and things that he had planned in his book that he just kind of had to abandon. Yeah, he said he couldn't keep, he couldn't fill them in because, um, and I think somebody asked him what he had. He had a, said he had a couple a couple months notice I think before he knew it was gonna before they told him <clears throat> the one year later thing, and I guess he had to right. kind of scrap a lot of storylines. Yeah, and and I guess again that's one of those things that you know like Secret Wars two and other things where you know. The storylines just went all across everything, and every creator had to sit there and make changes to, you know, to what they're doing to accommodate. Now, Byrne definitely rolled with the punches, though, because what he's come come here with is something that I find very uh, interesting, very dark, very well gory. Yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, you know, I mean, we'll get into it, and and you'll you'll see what we're talking about. Now, before we get into it. You know, uh, we really haven't talked a whole lot the last couple of weeks about what's, I guess we have a little bit, you know, Tim and I, but what's going on, you know? Uh, John, you know, have you watched uh, any new movies, TV shows, or anything that you wanted to bring up? We just finished watching the H.P. Lovecraft series, which was really good. The Lovecraft Country, is that it? Lovecraft Country, yeah. Yeah, my what wife's channel, watching what, it. I. What's that on? I don't I think you've heard of it. It's HBO Max, I believe. Yeah, HBO Max. Oh, yeah, we'd yeah. have that. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, my wife is loving it. Uh, I haven't gotten around to watching it myself, and she's watching it when typically I'm asleep. So, uh, you know, I, I haven't haven't uh, really seen any of it. 
but uh, it really looks intriguing and it you know it, it i think that if we get to talk about it more we might bring mike carlisle in as he is the biggest cthulhu fan <laughs> that uh that i know lovecraft is, and, is either yeah, i think it's kind of you 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 get him or you don't and there are people that and he's he is hard to translate to uh, the silver screen um john did you did you see have you seen uh, the Color Out of Space, the Nick Cage film that was it earlier. I think it was earlier this year it came out. No, I haven't. It's a. It's a I haven't. I've got it. and I've watched about half of it. Uh, from what What's I hear, it it's a, the Color Out of Space. We'll look for it. Yeah, it's on. Uh, it was a. Uh, oh, who directed it? It was. Uh, the Color Out of Space was directed by Richard Stanley, who directed the cult film Hardware. A director that directed some kind of cult film. I can't think of his name right now, but. It's supposed to be a pretty, you know, Lovecraft, most of his stories are kind of far out anyway. And it's it's a pretty faithful, I think, uh, accurate adaption, adaptation of the book. Or it's a really short story, I think. But um, And this is this is a Nicolas Cage film? Mm-hmm. Nicolas, Nicolas Cage. Haven't, haven't most of his movies kind of gone the, the B-movie way? I mean, I, I just saw a preview for uh, a movie of his called Jiu-Jitsu, which is basically <laughs> Predator... <laughs> you know, a, a predator coming and deciding he's only going to fight the masters of jujitsu. This Nick is an exaggerated, screaming psychopath. He really just doesn't exist. That's high praise. Uh, that's so a Nick. A that's side. a Nick. That's a Nick Cage film. Yeah, with Nick Cage, Tony Jaa, a bunch of other you know martial arts specialists. Uh, there's a trailer right now. I, I saw it from uh, the Dark Horizons website. And, uh, you know, it looks it looks like fun. I mean, Nicolas Cage kind of being what Christopher Lambert was for Mortal Kombat. Oh, OK. So he's not the he's not the uh, he will get into the fight that that much is for certain. They show they show <laughs> what looks to be like the fight, you know, the big boss battle, so to yeah. speak. But Colorado Space, I, I, my son and I are going to watch that. <laughs> the Colorado Space, I would say, is probably a grade above his normal kind of uh direct the video kind of stuff that he's been churning out lately uh mm-hmm. it's a little more i think it actually had a theatrical release uh, but yeah he's not um his, his stuff is just kind of you know you've heard different stories about why he's just kind of churning this stuff out but he doesn't seem to be too worried about uh, quality well, i mean when you when you look at guys like him and cuba gooden jr um uh, others like that you know that got oscar oscar awards they want to, you know, be the leading man all the time, even past the point where they should be more of a character actor. They need to go into that character actor vein. Yeah, you know, that was the, that was. Go ahead. No, no, I'll say that's. But but there's a certain category, and I don't want to say C-list stars or has-beens, but mm-hmm. they're you know, an actors are actors. They get a certain point where they, you know, the big roles are coming, and they have to kind of take whatever's given to them. But Cage right. seemed to be started that quicker than others that were that would normally go down that path and i don't know you know again i don't know what the story is but i've heard that he owed a bunch of taxes or something it was just kind of taking whatever came his way to help pay his back taxes yeah he um, sold his comic book collection yeah yeah there, he, and, there's some of those and he had he he was a major collector and had some really good stuff but i mean that explains why you got a ghostwriter too not saying that that's a bad movie, but you know, of all movies to get a sequel, I didn't think Ghost Rider was going to be mm-hmm. one of those. But at least that was theatrical, you know, like I said, a theatrical release. But 
Um, I think it's worth, you, if you like Lovecraft, I think it's worth checking out. Uh, it's not reanimator level, but. Yeah. No, but check yeah, it out. Okay. No. Yeah, cool. I mean, that's, that's, yeah, again, I've never uh, sought out the Lovecraft stuff. Uh, and, and I'm going to definitely have to ask Mike Carlisle about it. Uh, to see what he thinks on it. I've read I've read some of them, but they are uh, some are hard to get into. I, I've heard that Del Toro has been trying forever to try to do a In the Mountains of Madness uh, film. It just never has got off the ground. In the mountain or in the mouth of mad in in the mouth <clears throat> of madness. In the mouth of madness is a John Carpenter film with Sam Neill. Oh, uh, that's right. Uh, yep, yep. The yep. mountains. <laughs> of, I think it's In the Mountains of Madness um, is a, <clears throat> a more famous uh, Lovecraft. Uh, short story or novella and i think um like i said dotor has been trying to get it off the ground but nothing's going to come of it but. all right well that's kind of cool well, i watched now, it i <clears throat> go, ahead. Oh, go ahead well i would just say i watched um and this is an old film but i was waiting for the the sprinkler got to come over and fix our sprinklers um i watched a film called the black coach daughter is it but have you seen it mm -mm. it's a that at all yeah it's one of these new kind of artsy well it's not new it's from 2015 it's a artsy kind of artsy uh, horror film in the vein of Have you seen Hereditary? Or uh, you know, it's not a slasher. It's not gory. It's a you know more of a psychological thriller. Uh, yeah. And it's what's funny is it's by the it's by Anthony Perkins' son. Hmm. It's just for directorial debut, and it's not bad. I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a slow build. I mean, it's a slow burn. It's a real slow burn. But if you kind of hang in there, it, it's not bad. It's a uh, very atmospheric, very quiet, very deliberate. But it's on it's on Netflix. So if you want to give it a try, but it wouldn't, you know, I'd, I'd I'd give it a recommendation. Now I just finished. Um, I did kind of a rewatch of the boys, uh, more specific episodes and scenes than the whole season because there's parts of it that dragged a bit but uh the boys season two wrapped up in a, a really really nice bow if you haven't watched it yet that's um i'm really i really enjoyed this and one of the things that surprised me is even back in the first season though is uh one of the characters is played by jack quaid who's the son of dennis quaid and meg ryan and he's also the voice of boimler on uh, Lower Decks, yeah, which I, I finished that today. The first season of that I finished today, and I really, you know, it, once I got, I, I had to kind of get myself past the, the two humor about. Yeah, I mean, there were some points where it's like I, I understand this is a, a comedic take, but still supposed to be within the canon, and it was just kind of unusual to accept that way. But uh, you know, once I got past that. I found myself really, really enjoying the series. Yeah, you have to kind of accept what... After the first episode, you kind of understand what they're doing. You have to accept that. If you are, then I think you can uh, you can get through it. I know you like it, John. Have you watched all uh -huh. of it? Yeah, we're finished. And it definitely is in the universe. Yeah, uh -huh. it's, it's... I'm not going to uh, say how, but... Oh, yeah. I mean, there, there's it. so much there. Yeah. <laughs> there's so much there, yeah. <laughs> now, did you guys watch the first episode of Discovery? Season yes. three, yes, and I—that's my favorite episode of the whole series so far. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. That that yeah, I really enjoyed it that much. I mean, there's a lot to enjoy in season two. Uh, I love the whole Enterprise, Captain Pike, you know, storyline and such there. But this one here, it took us 
someplace we'd never been. And I, I thought mm-hmm. that was, uh, and, I, and I'll go on record that I'm not a, a big fan of Discovery, but I think this is where they may have should have done the show from the get go, instead of having it uh, just ten years prior, because that really that really kind of locks you in as to what you can do, because you get stuff you know, or even established, that, yeah, yeah, ham- hamstrings you, uh, which they kind of ignored a lot of that anyway. But if if say the first two or three episodes were them and their timeline where they started and then something happened they were flung 900 years into the future and then the rest of the series was from when then they could do whatever they want to do there's they're not hampered by anything so mm-hmm. and to your point that they, they did you know it's it's more of a it's kind of like this book we're fixing the covers like what happened <laughs> some explain yeah. you know what's going on but did you catch the uh the cameo i don't want to spoil it but apparently I didn't, so uh, you're uh, gonna have to tell me something. It's a cameo from a DS9 member amongst the bad guys. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, <laughs> that was a member of his race. Well, exactly. Well, yeah. Didn't but he speak? Um, I don't. Did he th- say anything? I don't. I don't think he said anything. I just thought that was weird. That that was real. Mm-hmm. That was fan service or somebody said Yeah, I, I I yelled out his name as soon as I saw him in the traditional way. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, yeah, that was fun. And is the second episode up yet? I haven't looked. No, it's thurs- Thursdays. Thursday, okay. I think it comes so. out Thursday for me or Friday for me. No, Thursday. I think I, can wa- I watch on CBS Access. So. Yeah, we watched it late uh, just with all that's going on. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it definitely uh, an incredibly enjoyable episode. I, I, I was pleased with so many things they did in how they viewed the technology of the day um, and, you know, certain reactions from certain characters were just wonderful. I, mm-hmm. Again, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to see where this goes. I hope they continue in the right direction, but you know, you know how these, these showrunners can be, they, they can be a temperamental well, that? superstitious cowardly <laughs> lot. <laughs> I know there was some, there's been a lot of talk of, you know, people that don't like it, and I'll say this: people that don't like it are pretty, pretty uh, vocal about not liking it, and they blame it all on Kurtzman, who's a showrunner. And there's been some talk that there's been some kind of friction with, I guess, was it AT and T that bought uh, Paramount, and the oh. new what they just recently bought with somebody was it? I think it was AT and T. Not sure. I really am not sure. Anyway, whoever whoever they think somebody bought them recently. And a person came on and we're trying to get, you know, they keep talking about trying to get Star Trek back on track. And uh, there was some or friction. back on track. Back on track. Oh, very good. They were trying to, <laughs> there's some yeah. friction between Kurtzman because he's the showrunner on Lower Decks and Discovery. And mm-hmm. uh, the new show that's coming on Nickelodeon, the real, real kitty show. There's like a, the, the Janeway one. Yeah. That's, that's got Janeway, and then of course we got Strange New Worlds, mm-hmm. which well, is that be the still, Chris Pike show, right? But I keep hearing that's it's moving forward. It's not, you know, they, they keep going back and forth. But and it, I well, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of I think the trying to to schedule how they're going to do the filming, right? With mm-hmm. the COVID, um, yeah, with COVID. Yeah, you I, know, there's a lot of shows that are just you know everybody's trying to take their cues from how the Mandalorian is filming. I don't know if you've seen how they filmed that or if you watched any of the documentaries on the mandalorian well i haven't seen that really oh yeah yeah if, uh, i mean if you've got disney plus uh and you've been able to watch the mandalorian they've got an eight part 
uh, show on the making of the Mandalorian. Ooh. It's just as long as the show itself. In fact, <clears throat> probably longer because some of the episodes ran short and some ran long. And they showed how they were able to, you know, create the this the the stage where they did all the special effects and everything. And it was really a, an incredibly smart way of doing it. Um, you you've got to watch it now. The second season That's starts in ten it. days. Yeah, ten days. And uh, you know the the beauty, of course, of filming a show like that is that everybody's already wearing a mask. <laughs> <laughs> well, true. And, and so that that offers some protection. Now I know there's been a lot of talk back and forth, and I don't know how where they ended up on that. Uh, but like Pedro Pascal didn't want to. Or basically, they they said he quit, and then he came back. Right. Now he's just going to be doing the voice, and and uh, the stuntmen are going to be doing all the physical acting or something along those lines. I don't know what's really really happening there. Um, well, yeah, I'd heard it. He wanted to he wanted to have his his helmet off more, and I would think that before you even get that job, before they cast you, they they would up front they'd have to say, look. You know, this is a this is going to be a show where your head's going to be covered ninety nine percent of the time. You have to understand yeah. it going in, and then of course, they're, you know, of course, I guess they're like, well, yeah, I want to take the job, and then it, as it gets further along, like, no, no, I want to, I want to take my. Uh, that's why every superhero film where the 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 hero wears a full covered mask, they always find some way yeah. to get the mask well, off. John, John Wesley Ship, when he got the role of the Flash, he had it in his contract. That he would spend X amount of time every episode without the costume on, or at least without the mask on. Yeah, right. but, but with that mask, you can see his eyes, you can see his lower his lower face. Yeah. He, you can see but, some expression there. But he created that. He's the guy that, that the first one to actually put it in his costume in his contract to make sure that he got regular face time outside of the costume. And you know, actors have followed that up, you know, all all along. But when this series came along, you know, I, I think they probably told him you're going to be in that mask 100% of the time, except yeah. for, you know, very special occasions. And, you know, Favreau is the kind of guy, he's going to lay all that out from the very beginning. If Pascal wasn't going to accept that, he should have done something at the very beginning. Yeah, I agree. And I think it was a mistake to show his face. And it was at the last episode, the episode before, where they showed it. it yeah. The last episode. I think and, that you know, was a mistake. But the thing he has to take off the helmet to eat. And when they showed that one where he was down on the planet with um, uh, the, Carano, the people where, 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 where the, the two of them fought off the, the marauders, mm -hmm. you know, helped him fight off the marauders. You know, he had that time where the woman came and brought him food and then she left. And then you see him set the helmet down so he can eat. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not like he never... We, we understand he never takes his helmet off, but he doesn't show his face to anybody. Right. Um, so that's... And, and I think it was nice. I, I thought it was more to um, uh, not show the viewers. I mean, yes, we know he's, he has to take his mask off or mm -hmm. his helmet off. He's got to shower. He, like I said, he's got to eat, sleep, and all that. But I don't... I, I think the viewers shouldn't have seen it. It, it was kind of like, like in... The new Teen Titans. Here we had Raven for all this time in this cloak and everything, and then all, and then they showed her in like issue four or something, and her hood flies back, and now we see her face. It's like, oh, okay, there's the reveal. Everyone's been wanting, but now it takes away an element of Raven, yeah. uh, that mysterious darkness, and we don't know. Now we have one less thing to remember to know about her. 
Um, and I always kind of like the mysterious bit about Raven. I mean, yeah, it probably couldn't last for 40 years, but, you know, more than four issues. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. let me ask you guys this, because I think I talked to you a little bit about this on uh, I was I am and you, Brian, uh, since we're talking about DC kind of horror here. You had seen and I I, cause I picked it up cheap and I started watching it. I started watching Swamp Thing and I think I've um, got two episodes left. so I haven't finished it, but oh, yeah. uh, you, I, I got the impression you liked it. Uh, yes yeah my wife and i both liked it a lot and it definitely um, it leans heavy into horror well and you know the thing is there was one small disappointment in it and it, it's just that they included this one character that i've loved for you know since he came about and that was blue devil and you know everybody on that show came in there and brought their a game except for ian Ziering. oh you didn't <laughs> like him he was, I, he was playing Ian Ziering. He was playing himself, kind of. I know, but, you know, the, the thing is, I just didn't feel like his acting was up to snuff to everybody else. I mean, you, you, you've you got, you know, Jennifer Beals and, and, and all these other, even Kevin Duran, who just really, he stole the scene every time he was on screen. That's a scientist, right? Yeah, yeah. That plays the, and well, I don't want to spoil anything if somebody else had more. actually it. did the anatomy lesson. Now, is that based? But, that's, yeah. uh, before I get to, if you uh, have you seen it, John? No. Oh. Uh, but yeah, that that part was based on the Alan Moore. I thought the anatomy uh, lesson was yeah. an issue, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was an issue. Yeah, it was like yeah. one of the first issues of the. Like, if you buy the the trade paperback saga, the Swamp Thing, that's the uh, the Alan Moore and oh, who was the uh, Bernie Wrightson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was it Bernie Wrightson or was no, it? No, uh, Bernie Wrightson started out with Lynn Wayne. Yeah, Stephen yeah. Bissett. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, you know, that was like one of the first stories with Dr. Woodrow and all that. And it, again, it was a departure from it, but still it had the essence of it. Um, I, I, I really, really enjoyed that series. And I was just like so disappointed that the reason that the series didn't continue w- had more to do with, you know, permits and the ability to film in the area than it had to do with ratings or you know the budget or anything else it's always i think it usually comes to money i'd heard that that they didn't they couldn't find a place to store the sets uh where they were filming it you know yeah it's that kind of stuff but it's uh i have that and i have titans season one which i haven't watched either so those i wouldn't necessarily buy full price but if i pick them up cheap i'll pick them up and and, uh, now you're you know. talking. You're talking the live action Titans, right? Right. Yeah. Season two to me was so much better than. I mean, it's like like a discovery. Season two of both those series was so much better than the first season. Do we want to go ahead and turn yeah. to the book at let's, hand? Let's get to talking some demon. Yes, I mean, because I mean, of course, you know, we know that Byrne had had his his love for all things Jack Kirby, and uh, had paid lots of homage to him over the years i and of course the 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 demon is one of those kirby creations um outside of uh i mean all the other stuff that he created at dc was pretty much um fourth either in fourth world or commandy yeah uh, you know and i'm talking you know the uh, omac and and commandy because that's all in the same weren't they in the same realm commandy and omac were they the same uh don't they, it's uh, all been kind of folded into dc now has it yeah but well, yeah, I mean, it's all DC, but, you know, and, and it's been there for, you know, a long, long time. 
it's hard to tell back then because you know, they were they always found ways for characters to cross over into Commandy. I'm just not really sure what, what realm Omac and them were in. You know, might have been afterwards, or it's Commandy's just a really weird placement in the DC universe. Yeah. in the Bronze Age. <laughs> but but the thing the thing is is that you know the blood of the demon was so far outside of all the other stuff, and yet it folded right into the great continuity of the DC comics, and so you often saw the 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 crossovers i mean at least we saw in our era the crossovers with superman and other characters so it's like and and there's been many different uh series based on the demon um some of the other ones had the demon rhyming all the time whereas it turned out kirby only had him rhyme when he first formed as a demon and that was as part of the spell that uh that created him yeah well, Burn has said, "Oh, go ahead." Yeah, and and but but and that's the thing is that Burn has been remaining incredibly faithful to that, in that he didn't want the demon to be rhyming all the time as the other writers had done. Uh, plus, it makes it hard to write. Yes, yes, it's like <laughs> well, uh, again, like the the and I thought it was interesting is that Kirby was didn't like horror books, and he apparently was told they wanted a horror book uh, after that he were he was I think they were canceling his fourth world stuff. So he did this, and then it sold so well, they wanted him to do more, and he got upset because I guess he thought it was going to be a one-and-done. Uh, yeah. And then he told him that, to do this and not finish the rest of his fourth world, which I guess is what he really wanted to do. Um, but that was, uh, it's, it's some of this kind of crazy, kind of high-concept stuff that Kirby was would just throw out there that you either like it or, it's, or it's, it'll drive you crazy, but a lot of times it's just a lot of fun. What I liked about, when this is what Bernard said about Kirby's version, that because uh, Jason Blood's origin has changed. You know, it starts out with mm-hmm. he was a demon who then Merlin turned into a man. And then over the years, like a thousand years, whatever it was, he slowly kind of developed a personality and, and, you know, a soul, so to speak. And to the point where he wanted to rid himself of the demon. And then later it was changed where other writers changed it to where uh, Jason Blood was a man that was possessed by Etrigan and Byrne didn't think that was as original as Kirby's. He, he ignored all that, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And I agree. I think the idea of a demon being turned into a man and slowly discovering he likes being the man more than a demon is much more. Yeah. There's a lot more stories you can tell there than just uh, a guy that's been possessed by, you know, that's that's been done a lot. You know, a guy that's been possessed by a demon who lets him out every once in a while. Uh, that's, you know, that's Werewolf by Night. That's. Uh, you know, count of the characters that way. I, I guess that's part of the reason why I think why Byrne liked uh, working the character Angel in the Buffyverse. Because when you look at the story of Angelus, it was the the vampire that got the soul of a that, that was given a soul. Mm-hmm. So yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's it's a lot like I, I as cheesy as it sounds to me, it's a lot like Total Recall. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, Schwarzenegger okay. is yeah. he's a bad guy, and he's given this new personality to infiltrate the mutants and then it turns out he likes this alternate reality better than his who he really is and he wants to stay quaid instead of quaid but so it's like that you know i thought that's cool all right well let me um let me go ahead and get into the particulars here um this of course is blood of the demon number 13 published by dc comics with a cover date of may 2006 on sale date march 1st 2006 
had a cover price of $2.50, page count of 32, edited by Joey Cavalieri. Um, the title of the story in it is Demon Quest, 22 pages full, and with plotter, penciler John L. Burns, scripter Will Pfeiffer, inker Doug Hazelwood, letterer Nick J. Napolitano. All right. It's an Italian name. I'm not going to get it ever right. Uh, and colorist <laughs> Alex uh, Blairett. Blairett? Blairett. Blairett. I'm not going to get that one either. I don't know where that's from. Probably some like Czechoslovakia type place, I guess. Anyway, uh, let's see. It had a solicitation. It was one line. Uh, it's one year later and two Ratrigans are battling the Lord of the Damned. Now, the book, uh, let's see what else came out in May 2006. We had all-new official handbook of the Marvel Universe, A to Z, number three, Copperhead to Ethan Edwards. And I'm assuming that was just recycling the old artwork oh, that he'd had in the uh, previous hot move. Um, and then there was Uncanny X-Men Omnibus Hardcover, Volume 1. And um, there was a Watson variant on that. I don't know what a Watson variant is. Do either of you? Hmm. I wish David was on with us. He could tell us of that. Yeah. And then uh, X-Men trade paperback Mutant Genesis. That'd be the uh, Jim Lee uh, X-Men that he did the scripting for. So uh, let's see. Our synopsis reads as Etrigan swims through an underwater jungle of corpses lashed to wooden supports, reaches a trap door and punches through. Within the wooden cellar is Harry Matthews chained up by a group of bald men in monk's robes, save one who appears to be in an antiquated diving outfit. Etrigan bloodily dispatches the monks, leading Harry to feel concerned that Randu Singh is easing up on his controls. Once Harry is freed, the two race upstairs to find themselves in a church. Harry recites the incantation that transforms Etrigan into a dazed and disoriented Jason Blood, and the two emerge in Venice. Meanwhile, in Gotham City, Randy Singh laments that Etrigan is harder to control. He goes to see his wife, Anjali Singh, who is still scarred from the fire of Jason Blood's home, uh, of Jason Blood's home one year ago. She no longer wishes to see him. Meanwhile, in a faraway fortress, a demonic king, being known as the Lord of the Damned, whose face is similar to Etrigan's, keeps a red-eyed prisoner caged. Meanwhile, in the East Coast prison, former detective Sandra Kincaid is being held for hijacking a tank and firing on downtown Gotham. Her friend Pruitt does not see much hope uh, for her appeal. In Venice, Jason Blood is acting distinctly zombie-like. Harry Matthews calls Randu Singh, who reveals that it is a false Jason, created to help them track down the real Etrigan. The false Jason guides Harry to Castle Brannock in Eastern Europe, Ratrigan made his first modern appearance. They were met by Inspector Kurtzberg. That should be Kemp. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and, the, uh, and the three are attacked by the castle statues and then by an image of Merlin, who claims the castle is yet another of his tombs. Harry transforms Jason into Etrigan, but Randu is not ready to control the transformation and he collapses in his Gotham home. When Merlin realizes that this Etrigan is just an empty shell, Harry reveals that the Etrigan that they are tracking is the Etrigan they stole from the Old West after Jason Blood died. Merlin explains that without a soul, the false blood Etrigan that Randu created will continue to grow more wild and it is beyond Merlin's control. Meanwhile, the Lord of the Dam's prisoner is revealed to be 
in fact, Etrigan. Hmm. The end. Nice. Now, in this issue, Etrigan was summoned by the words Yarva Etrigan Demonicus. And Jason Blood is summoned via the words, Hear me, demon, bound to man, leave, leave, Etrigan, fade, O demon, return the man. And I don't think that that was spoken since the very first appearance of Etrigan, was it? Uh, at least the Yarva so. Etrigan Demonicus. I yeah. don't think so. Now, Angeli was burned in the events in Blood of the Demon, issue 10. And Sandra Kincaid hijacked the tank and attacked Joshua's army in Blood of the Demon 12 which is a full year before this because we did the whole one year later. And then the death of Jason Blood and the theft of the past version of Etrigan occurs in issue nine. 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 Yeah. yeah, nine. So, uh, and I, I think we mentioned it earlier, but, you know, there were a number of uh, plot lines and storylines that Byrne had to drop uh, after the one year later just because there was no real way to uh, to catch the readers up in, in, in a uh, logical story sense. Well, you, I... I haven't read all. I read the next issue, so I haven't read the all the way through this. Uh, does he ever? Because when we we when we you know we we start this story, uh, Harry is missing an arm, and there's no explanation for that. And Randu has his eyes; he can see now. He was blind. I don't or any of these storylines ever. I'm assuming this would have something had to do with Burns' storylines that he might have had to jettison. Or any of these. I know. I know they. they I know they explained Harry's arm. I thought that happened before the one year later. No, um, again, had... it's it's okay. It's been over a year since I, I I read that, and I'd have to go back and look. Oh, I thought but, I looked uh, at it, but it maybe what you're reading this a year later. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we did our coverage of Blood of the Demon issue one last year or the yeah. year before. I forget when that was, and so I I just read the entire series. I was really enjoying it. But I don't, you know, my memory just doesn't doesn't hold things like it used to. And again, when I was younger, I read a lot of the books that um, I read then multiple times. And now I simply don't have the time to do that. Well, I find so, that if I if I binge read something, my mm-hmm. retention is less than if I read yeah. it like issue by issue. If I read read ten issues of something, I will hold on to that. I won't hold on to that as well as if I had read it. You know, say they were coming out once a month, or if I picked them up little and there. And I don't know what that is. It's almost the same way if I watch a uh, TV show. If I binge watch it, it kind of comes and goes. And it had you uh, uh, had you read this before, John, or was this your first time to read this? This was my first time actually, and um, you know, because I before the demon was okay as a guest guest appearance here and there, um, so I didn't know what could really hold. A series for him it's like either him or the gargoyle i'm like mm-hmm. okay <laughs> just <laughs> wasn't sure how that could spin into a series that would actually hold hold water so to speak so um yeah so i never really picked it up or never really had much of an interest in it so i was actually looking forward to this and i was looking thinking oh yeah i'll read all leading up to it but i didn't so i actually kind of did just drop into this in the middle hmm. uh of the thing. So some of it, I was just kind of like, what? But <laughs> I will say if I'm, if, if I'm not jumping too far ahead, it did make me want to check out the rest. Yeah. yeah. It, it makes me want to just read the whole thing all over again. And I'll give you a, a little something to that. So that you'll pay attention to it, is that if you watch Etrigan's Cape, the amount of fraying indicates the degree of control that Merlin's magic is exerting over him. The more afraid, the less control. And that's kind of Burns' little joke. 
that he included for his own amusement. Yeah, I found that on his on his website in the fact on uh, on the demon. Well, he'll also, if you notice, uh, in the issues prior to this, when they were, they go back to like it's eighteen seventy two or something, eighteen seventies to get to pull uh, Jason Blood out of time. When you see Etrigan, then he looks different. His features are a little softer. Friendlier, so to Friendlier, speak. Friendlier, yeah. yeah. I think yeah. I don't know if that's more the way Kirby or other people were, or were drawing him. And then he's more, when he comes forward, he's more vicious. So um, something I did find when I was reading on uh, for Robotics that somebody posted a picture of a from Prince Valiant from 1937. Have you seen this? I saw that, yes. And, it, it, you know, showing how that they, what they stretched over a mask and I remember because it had the the ears their duck come feet. out from it, well it was duck a feet, that's right it yeah, was a yeah. duck skin he turned inside out and put over his face so the yeah. ears were duck feet and it looks amazingly like this so that has to be Kirby's uh, inspiration for uh, for where he did it so I thought that was kind of interesting now this the this story and I mean all the art on it again you know looking at the front cover the front cover is just creepy gothic gorgeous it is <laughs> and you see all the, the the skulls around and just the lord of the damned and those uh hands coming up out of the out of the fire that you know the below and i mean it's just it's just gorgeous and you know i i, I don't know i think burn inked the front cover himself um i didn't look that when i was let me take a look here real quick actually yes i did look john burn and alex uh it says Jabur yes. and Alex Blayett for the cover. Yeah, but uh, uh, Blair Blair is did the, the colorist. Uh, colorist. Oh, okay. So Burn Burn did the inks on the cover himself, and then uh, Hazelwood Doug Hazelwood did all the uh, interior inks, and uh, I I'll, I'll say that that his inks are are pretty darn good. Yeah. Um, I'm not I'm not seeing any big departure from what Dan Green or Necros had done, um, in in the other ones. Uh, the the thing that that stuck out to me in this, I'm trying to remember. It was, it was a certain thought that came to my mind as I was uh, sitting here looking at this again. You now, of course, the gore of this was just like, okay, that's a surprise, yeah. especially when the hand went through on the very first um, the first bit. But there was something else that jumped out at me. Well, the cover and, really, really uh, the digital coloring really enhances this cover because you really couldn't do this before they could do this right. uh, digitally because you really get a sense of heat coming off this grate where these two hands are coming off and it's all done with the gradients uh, and the bl uh, reds and the oranges. It's well, just, just gorgeous. I, it made me think back to that issue of the Fantastic Four where the thing saw Johnny's car explode. And, you know, the front cover to that is the thing... You know, going Johnny, and it's all black and orange mm -hmm. and flames and everything. And they were able to do with that back in the 80s, even, you know, just with the four colors, um, you know, something really amazing. And then here, of course, you, you've got all the gradients on there and the changes, especially as you look at the, the Lord of the Dam's legs going on up. Mm. You know, it, it's, uh, it's, it makes me really appreciate what the colors were able to do back then. But yeah, this is beautiful. And the first the splash page uh, and the other splash page with these uh, bodies that are under the uh, dock or wherever it's at, uh, that first page where you get that close-up of the skull is very, um, 
eerie comics to me. It's very uh, EC comics. Yeah, you know, I was going to say, like, the cover is very much like House of Mystery to me mm-hmm. because you've got the hands coming up from the... Uh, it's, it's really a nice design. And, yeah, I, I, <clears throat> love the, I love the first couple of pages here because it is really detailed and amazing. And, yeah, you're right, like Eerie Comics or EC. I wonder who that guy is on the second, you know, that, that second page, you know, the, the third panel. There's a, there's a body there that looks more recent than the others. The others are all skeletons, of course, decomposed and whatnot. And then you've got what looks like a, a slightly decomposing Ron Jeremy there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, yeah, definitely has only been down there a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah, and this, this is 2006, so they don't know what's going on with that guy. <laughs> oh my! Anyway, <laughs> oh, I never noticed if you look on the on that page you're talking about in the the far left, the closer skeleton. Look on top of his yeah. head; he's got a little crab or something. Yep. is on top of his head. What What I want to know is how all these people. The guy on the first page, not necessarily as perfect, but that that closest skeleton's got perfect teeth. <laughs> and again, you don't know how long those bodies been down there, but man, I'm sorry. I, I spent the weekend in the dentist chair, so I'm like <laughs> envious of everybody else. Right Quite now. aware of teeth, aren't you? <laughs> yes, very, very. But um, I did like the, you know, coming into the, the room with all the guy, the monks there, and then that guy in the antiquated diving suit, <laughs> and then he looks, yeah. he looks like a uh, I want to be Mr. Freeze, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> kind of looks like a lighthouse. The the top part, uh-huh. uh huh. I just had a flashback to my childhood. I had one of those um astronaut helmets that had the the yellow bubble, so you'd stick your head in and you'd be in there in the yellow bubble. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to find a find an image of that, but that's that's that makes me think of. It's so claustrophobic. And, of course, what happens to that guy is just so wet. And that's a great sound effect. Splork, splork, splork. splork. I I was like, whoa. (laughs) That guy's done. That's what Harry's like. Hey, you know, he's like, take it easy. But And this is really a cold open because we don't know why they've got Harry. Obviously, they're going to, I guess, take him down there and chain him up to one of the pylons. But why he's doing it, uh, and I guess Hatcher doesn't care. He's just going to, you know, take them all out. Yeah, now the the next page, it took me a moment to realize that, you know, the one guy, I thought that Etrigan had done something to the one guy and that caused all the blood. I didn't realize he had thrown the corpse at him. And that's just the blood and guts of that guy he just. Yeah, that's his head. head Yeah. (laughs) I thought it was the. Yeah, I couldn't tell if it was that or if it was the. Because he had kind of smashed the glass. Of course, the glass wouldn't cut him, but it's almost like he'd. It was the the helmet that was impaling on the guy that's saying "gluck." <laughs> yeah, because if you look in the first panel on the far left bottom of the first panel, you can see kind of the remains of that guy's head. Oh no, that that's Etrigan's hand. His hand's still yeah, inside the. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's he's kind of he's kind of going Terminator on him. He's kind of punching their hearts out. Yeah, yeah, and he, yeah, he, that's just crazy. I wonder if Burn, and I don't I haven't read anything, but I wonder if he likes, or if any artist, you know, if, when they can kind of let loose and kind of draw a little more gory, if that just, if that gives them a little more sense of freedom, or if, if it's just comes with the territory, they don't carry the way. I would love to have seen Byrne do a non-code approved uh, Wolverine. What he would have done in X-Men 133 
you know, instead of what we got. I mean, what we got was really, really cool, and that was Wolverine Unleashed for the first time, you know, that we saw. But, you know, even when Frank Miller and Chris Claremont were doing it in the, in the Wolverine miniseries, you know, mm-hmm. you didn't get the gore. And it's not until the, you know, the Logan movie that we got to see, you know, that kind of effect. And uh, we really didn't get it in the in the books. I'm sure someone has done something over the years. That's, I'm sure that's that's shown it. But you know, I mean, I'm talking about our heyday, and you know, when we were sitting there reading it, you know, we didn't we didn't see anything like this. And so to see you know see this year, and Burns still does hold his him, himself back. You know, when he sits there and has the, the demon slash the the um, dive suit. For for Harry there, you know, he doesn't sit there and show just how gory that could have been. No, no, he showed he most showed more stuff in a couple issues back when he kills another another demon and strangles him with his own entrails. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a little. Uh, um, but I think this is even more savage and to your point for Wolverine because Wolverine with his claws, it to me it still seems a little clean because <clears throat> he's just lopping off limbs and heads and. I, mean, I know, I but I he... always think I always think it should be like 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 it was in Kill Bill. You lop off something and blood goes squirting <laughs> just, everywhere. Just... You know? Yeah, it probably would be. You know, you just have geysers, geysers of that stuff. But hmm. still, a pretty uh, uh, it's a pretty interesting because you're for the first four or five pages of this, you're like, what is going on? Yeah, Metro mm-hmm. rescues this guy. Where are they? Then they wind up there in Venice, and like, okay. <laughs> What are they doing in Venice? Indiana, expect to see Indiana Jones. Yeah. And... <laughs> Smash his way into the crypts. Um, and then, of yep. course, he turns it back into Jason Blood, who's, at this point, uh, you know... It's I'd not for- really Jason Blood. I know, I'd forgotten that he wasn't... Because uh, that's where it got really confusing. Because in the previous one, it ends with him, with uh, the uh, Jason... Uh, was it the... Withered to Bone... The one that dies in the fire is not the one they pulled from the past, correct? That was, or was that the one that they pulled from the past? It is, oh, right? The one that, yeah. That fights the angels, or the so-called angels, and in and, and the um, in the apartment building, and then it's like, the cops show up, and like, what happened? And they they just show a, a skull with some kind of horns on it. Mm-hmm. And that's the, is that the original I'm, I'm confusing myself just talking about it now. Is that the original Etragon, or is that the one they pulled from the past? No, that's that's the original. Okay, because but, yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it it's confusing, you know. Yeah. Again, it, it, we've we've been away from it for a while, but uh, I want to go back and read all these. There's there's something I thought that was well. Now the story with Randu and Angeli, um, I mean, that's pretty straightforward. You know, she got burned pretty bad really bad and she doesn't want anyone to see her even though she seems to be while she's healed she's obviously very very scarred yeah and uh even you know like her hands are just completely malformed and she doesn't even want him to look at her so she's hiding in the dark um apparently uh and i guess that came about from jason blood's his apartment building he explained that he it had burned down but he was using magic to kind of pull it back in time for that split second and constantly kept it there. So once he uh, once he died, because they had to kill him to save him, because he was being threatened by the with the Dreamcatcher villain, all all of his protective spells, you know, went away. And then suddenly, 
when she's there with uh, the Pruitt, I think, the building just erupts in flames. And that's why Batman went in and saved Pruitt and saved her, but she had already been <clears throat> burned. Most of her body had been burned, so that's why she's, she said she's in a state where, you know, her hair's gone. I don't think she can see very well. It looks like her fingers are burned off. Um, yeah. And somehow her husband has got his sight back. Yeah, and, and so all that's supposed to be revealed later, how he got his sight back. Oh, my. I'm at the right ahead. Yeah, we're going to have to read ahead. I, I, again, I think I'd like to cover more of these later. We do jump in the story um, far from the streets of Gotham, very far away, and we, we go into the realm of the Lord of the Damned and, the, and his fortress where there's gladiatorial combat going on. And then also there's guards in a room standing over someone that's in a lower dungeon, mm-hmm. glowing red eyes and very, very sharp teeth. And then we get to see the Lord of the Dam come in, and he just looks like, it's like almost like Thanos walking into the room. I mean, he's got the head that's similar to the demon, except he's got horns coming out. But he's in, you know, like full apocalypse body armor, it looks like. That's full. I uh, mean, that's like almost a love letter to Kirby, because that is absolutely yeah. Kirby armor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the whole design, I love his look. Yeah, just a, an amazing look, and of course he. Uh, and if you look at his boots, they almost look like cloven hooves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ooh, that's, that's I was true. thinking about that too. Yeah. Th- this this is actually the love child of of Darkseid and um, Trigon. <laughs> <laughs> but because he yeah, has that Trigon presence too. I mean, to me, I, I was thinking more Trigon than Darkseid, but I see that as well. But just that, I don't know. I just kind of got that. The the original Perez Trigon, you know, when we first was introduced to him in the New Teen Times, is like, wow, yes. <laughs> really impressive. So that's a very good image there. Yeah, I, I, you know, the thing was, I've never been a fan of that kind of of uh, demon line stories. You know, the Etrigan the demon has always been its own thing for me. I, it's, ne- you know, never bothered me much like the, the Trigon or stuff. And I think all that goes back to my childhood experience with the uh, the Exorcist. Which uh, was a really, really bad experience. My my parents took us to see The Exorcist when I was like seven years old, uh-huh. and we we saw it at a drive-in theater. My dad every few minutes would go, "Y'all know this really happened." <laughs> I must have done something really, really bad because that was just like the worst thing you could you could do to a kid my age, you know. I mean, my parents are pretty smart, but that was really mean <laughs> yeah. and so you know even today you know my son and my wife will watch anime that are all sorts of demon stories and stuff like that and i'm just like yeah thanks no <laughs> but yeah, again this right here doesn't bother me i mean there, there's something you know different about the 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 etrigan type demon so to speak hmm. yeah it's mm-hmm. not it's a little more it's not full-blown horror comics kind of uh, still has a little feel of a kind of superhero aspect to it so it's not quite yeah you got full horror i don't think you don't get the feeling that something is going to possess you and make you twist your head around right like what mother's little daughter did you know (laughs) i've I've never seen the exorcist i've seen scenes from but i've never watched it from beginning to end i own it i just never watched it okay now that that makes you a freak (laughs) oh wait what network are we on (laughs) makes me a true (laughs) makes me a true freak a true yeah. freak. You know, and, and, and you know, my my wife likes to watch that movie every now and then. And 
my son has watched it with her and it didn't bother him the way it bothered me. Of course, he, he sits there and looks and he goes, man, that's got, got such cheesy special effects. You know, he's, he's so spoiled by the, mm. the mm-hmm. modern effects of today. And so he sees something like that and he's just like, you know, it's, it's fake and it just kicks him out of it. When I was seven, you know, something like that, man, nah, it was all real to me. <laughs> well, that's uh, you. You're too young. It's uh, yeah. I mean, I slept that. at the foot of my parents' bed that <laughs> night. <laughs> I don't doubt it. I'm surprised you could sleep at all. And you know, the my sister, who was two years older than me, um, she would terrorize me with that movie. You know, she'd come in and just go like, ah, <laughs> and she'd say things like, "Look what mother's little daughter did," and act like she's turning her head around and all that. I, you know, it's just the, the, the things that kids do to torture each other. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, but and and then this, you know, Lord of the Damned. You know, look what he's doing to what appears to be. I mean, you, you see in the middle of the next page, the, he's got the ears just like Etrigan, and this guy just vomits on him like a fire hose of vomit. And it's just really, really, really gross. And is it? It's not burning him, is it? Or is it? I can't tell. He says, it must be because he says, sorry, I forgot to warn you that my bile is of a slightly fiery nature. But Uh, I wouldn't wouldn't think fire would bother Etrigan because he's a demon. But um, But it's demon fire, maybe. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. But it's it's still, it's kind of, it is. I mean, this is, to your point, it's a fire hose kind of ridiculous (laughs) You know, mm-hmm. yeah, just uh, covering him in this yellow bile. Uh, so at least the Lord of the Dam has kind of a sense of humor, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, like a in the sick part... sense of humor. To yeah, <laughs> well, and like in the panel at the top of the page. Well, that's correct, but don't worry, I'll see that whoever tortures you to death has proper authorization. Right. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Kind of a very Darth Vadery uh, approach to his men. Yes. Of course, we go to the next page, and we're at uh, whatever prison that is on the east we're coast. At a meanwhile, yeah, it's a meanwhile. It's like meanwhile like a, back at the prison. <laughs> yeah, we need Ted Knight. But it, it's funny how Sandra looks more and more like Misty Knight in she the um, in the Namor issues of uh, the the Iron Fist issues of Namor. She looks just like Misty Knight yep. there, and the the um, what's what's the guy's name? Pruitt. Pruitt. He. It's funny because as I was sitting there looking at his face there, and I went back and I was looking at Jason Blood as he was transforming between the demon and Jason Blood, trying to see if that looked like an older version of, but it's not. It looks like Uncle, looks like Uncle Ben to me. I yeah. was thinking Uncle like Ben a, too. Uncle ben, <laughs> now we know definitely. what happened to him. <laughs> he became a cop and moved to Gotham. <laughs> yeah, but the the, uh, the zombie Jason Blood is really bugging me now. <laughs> But uh, he does he does take them to Castle Brannock, and it's when they when they're heading there they run across the inspector what was his name Kurtzman, Kurtzberg. Kurtz, uh, it's Kurtzberg. Kurtzberg, and this is this is Kemp from Young Frankenstein, mm-hmm. with the wooden limb and, and and everything Frankenstein, which is yeah. actually an homage to the, the the police inspector from Son of Frankenstein, the original. Now, did he already also have a wooden mm-hmm. hand? Yep. Wooden limb. And Frank and, so and, and I was the monster lost, rips it which... and the monster rips it off of him too. And you guys which... guess who what? guessed guess who cameoed? Who's that? Third panel, second row. Oh, it's it's uh, a wheelie. It's oh, wheelie. It's <laughs> wheelie. Oh <my> gosh, 
I, and, and they were complaining about the vehicle, and I didn't even think about that. <laughs> we're gonna that's have to hilarious. we're gonna have to put that as a part of the show wheelie watch. You know, that's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where's wheelie? Okay. Now the other thing is they finally get to Castle Brannock. Is it Brannock? Yeah. Brannock. 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 Yeah. And you know the statues, of course. You know they come to life, and Merlin comes out. And did Merlin strike you at all very familiar? Uh, you're talking about the I mean, first time you see him, and that the the images of Merlin reminded me of the old man from when Burn was doing Starbrand, mm-hmm. when he would show the old man. Oh, the old Starbrand. Yeah, the old Starbrand, the old man. Yeah, the one that gave Ken his uh, the Starbrand, and then. At, at the end, they reveal they're all the same. Spoilers from 30 years ago. <laughs> it looks like Mordrew to me. But, but you know, it's like when I see him, I see I, I hear uh, Ian McKellen as Gandalf talking. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's definitely uh, that. Um, but the the you first see Merlin when he comes out, and you see kind of this this shape of his face, and he says, "Who dares disturb this the sanctity <clears throat> of my tomb?" That is very. <clears throat> to me, that's very Kirby-like. He would—it's almost like when he would draw a uh, banner when he was being doused in gamma rays or something like that. That's what it looks like. Where it's just—he's just using line to fill out the, the features of his face. Now, I really like the that that page where you first see Merlin's face coming out and that giant rock statue. That uh, there's some parts of it that look like the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the statues but, are but, very Kirby-like. Yeah, but the in in the giant aspect of it was not, was not lost. You know, when you see the inspector firing his gun on it, apparently mm-hmm. from his wooden hand. I don't know how that works, but <laughs> no, no, no. You can tell it, it's his left arm that's wood. Because look at this, the panel above it. See how yeah. stiff the arm looks. That's the one that's yeah. wooden, not yeah. the not the right oh, you're one. You're right. You're right. It's just the way he talked earlier. It did, he made it sound like it was his right hand that was. Um, he he does yeah. in a couple pages. He says back. he lost his right one years ago. Lost his right one years ago, but it's his left one that's so that, that seems to be fate. Yeah, hmm. and so yeah, I, I, that 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 was uh, messing with me the whole the whole story. So I don't know if that was just a typo, but Byrne does do typos every now and then. Well, I mean, he does say he says, but this oh, false this one. This would actually have been Will Pfeiffer that made the mistake, not Byrne. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This, this, but this false one is fine for lifting luggage and the like. So, apparently, it can it can grip or it can close his fingers or something if he's taking luggage off. That's just a that may be just a to your point, maybe a typo or a screw up. Yeah, I thought these statues were, were to me were a little reminiscent of um, uh, FF uh, issue one with the the mole men's creatures, mm. little little like those. And that may be on purpose because you know they are. Like I said they're very Kirby-like. Yeah, I mean, especially in the page where uh, they first walk up to him, and Harry's looking at that one face to face. That mm-hmm. looks like I something Kirby, Kirby would yeah. have. Yeah. Yeah. But the the next thing over is as that thing's coming over, and it's got the big round thing where the mouth should be. That that looks rather disturbing. Yeah, I don't know what that's supposed to be. That is a little. <laughs> that's a little creepy. But yep. Uh, and then. Of course, they're they're just they're just flipping um, Jason blood on and off like a light switch. They're just <laughs> calling calling the demon uh, any chance they get. And then of course, uh, Randu's you know I guess I guess they need to tell him before he's going to transform uh, blood because he says I'm not ready. 
because he's yeah. I guess he's he already said he's losing more and more of his control, and that's when Merlin finds out that uh, empty shell. There's there there's no soul to. Uh, but wouldn't that be that? Wouldn't he be the same? If that's the case, wouldn't he be the same Etragon that Merlin co- originally conjured or used, or it was his, it was his tool or whatever he was in the first Kirby issue before he turned him was, into a man? But that would have been Merlin at the height of his power, back in the days of Camelot. Okay, this so is you're saying much, Merlin? Much okay, Merlin doesn't have the power to control him, and that's why he needs. Maybe that's why. Maybe Merlin knew that. And it's why we transformed him into a human. He knew eventually he would kind of develop a quote soul, soul. that yeah. would help uh, control the demon. So that maybe was Merlin's plan to begin with. So that now he can't. Uh, it's like, it's like you know when we called the Hulk series. You know the Hulk issues when they separated Hulk and the Banner. Uh, then the Hulk was just a mindless rage monster. Now. Etrigan is just a full-blown demon. Which then takes us back to the last page where you see the Lord of the Damned has Etrigan without any legs. Or an arm. Or an arm tied (laughs) up over over what looks to be a lava pit as uh, one of the other creatures is stirring it. And, uh, I mean, did, did the legs get burnt off in that, whatever that molten stuff is? It looks like they were torn off because they don't look like they've been burn yeah, off they've been, the they've been just because yeah. he all he's got all his entrails and sinew and muscle and this is a this is a great place to leave it because this is a great splash page uh it really makes you want to i mean this rivals the the cover i think for layout and the intensity of it and yeah uh, it, it really makes you like it makes you want to read the next one but you know it's it's also got me doing something else and that is um, I was lucky to come across scans of every page of each issue in pencil. Wow. Just a pencil. And um, I made that available to you, by the way, John, in the in the Dropbox. Oh, thanks. Um, and so, I mean, it's just, you know, the, the you, you see what Byrne initially intended and then what the inker turned it into um, when you look at these pages. And that last page in pencil is just stunning really oh yeah but uh i mean again you know the um the inker on this one of course was doug hazelwood now he wasn't the regular inker on these books at the time i think um they were transitioning between um who was that dan green and um i gotta get off the pencil ones yeah dan green did the issue right before this uh no actually no, Hazelwood did the issue before. Green did issue 11. Doug Hazelwood, 12, 13, and then Dan Green came back. Um, well, according, the, to, according the to the remainder of the issues. According to the wiki, Dan Green did issue 12. At, uh, the co- front cover says Hazelwood. The front cover of 12 says Hazelwood. But if I go inside, mm. it says uh, Dan Green. So, yeah, the front mm. cover is wrong. So, who edited that? Joey Cavalieri? <laughs> and Michael Wright, you guys got some splaining to do. Well, I tell you, this was a. I, I'm surprised that I was interested in following the story. Uh, I, I'm kind of intrigued about okay, what happened before, but because this is a year later, uh, I'm just like, okay, I want to find this... out how this guy got the demon, what happened, why they're split apart, all that stuff. So yeah, it's it it was it was a good point. 
I'm always kind of like, oh, jumping on points, jumping on points. You know, they're always kind of like, what, whatever. <laughs> you can jump on almost anywhere. But this really is a good point to just like, even though there were some things that I was confused about, like why he's an empty shell, why they're separated, what this guy's mm-hmm. controlling him with, all that stuff. Um, I still found it like, okay, I think I, I'm looking forward to turning yeah, a few more pages and checking this out. The next issue is kind of wild. I, I, I read it and this gets pretty crazy. And I'm kind of interested yeah. to see how the rest, how the, I want to see it, read it and how it ends up because uh, as, as kind of frustrating as this is to kind of jump in, it, I can imagine for Byrne or any writer to have to be like, okay, I'm going along and like, nope, you got you to gotta break it and we're going to jump ahead of you or you got to, you know, just make it work. And how frustrating it must be for him to have to try to lose uh, storylines he was going to do and just try to pull together as best he can to make it cohesive. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that's the nature. That's just the nature of comics. You know, you're, you're, you're at the whim of, of the, uh, of the big, you know, the big story arc or the big crossover or whatever, you know, I've always heard writers, you know, I know Burn himself, like with secret wars too. He didn't like that, you know, cause that's basically interrupting your flow, you know? And also probably right about this time or shortly after is when they told him that they were going to cancel the Blood of the Demon series, because they ended after issue 17. Uh, issue 17 was, was the last issue. And so it wasn't like Byrne had decided, you know, I wanted to stop at issue 17. It was, they they told him that the series, you know, was ending. Yeah. Well, I think and Cur- so Kirby's only had to went wrap to, everything up. Yeah, Kirby's only went 17, 18. It didn't go much more. 19. Yeah, it was about, about the same. same. I know yeah. there was one in the 90s that ran 58 issues. So that's probably the longest run we've ever had. And I think uh, I haven't read any of those, but I think Garth Ennis wrote some some of those issues. So that would uh, be crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you guys this because I wasn't really reading DC at this time. Did um, the, I the, wasn't the, either. <clears throat> oh, you so it's okay. The 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 fifty two, which was which I think as a concept is actually pretty cool that they're going to do a, a an issue every week. For 52 weeks to kind of tell and said in real time what happened in the year that they jumped. Uh, I was just kind of curious if anybody was. You said you weren't reading it. Were you reading uh, stuff at the time, John? Not. I was sporadically. I, I wasn't reading a lot of the stuff, and uh, I was really over the events, so mm-hmm. I was not into it. I wasn't into the 52 uh, weekly thing. And the year later I thought was just another gimmick. And I was just kind of like, okay. (laughs) So, um, it it just added a lot of, I, I guess it had some interesting stuff, but I just thought it was, I didn't see the point. Yeah. Really? Because eventually what everyone did was just told all the stories that they were going to tell in the year. And I'm like, well, what's the point? Why not just tell the stories and move on? But yeah, I don't know. It was just so I was wondering, what did you guys think when you were reading through? Were you like, "Wow, this is a cool concept. How neat!" I, I said I wasn't yeah. reading. I wasn't reading DC, so I, I didn't. I knew of it, but I didn't read any of the Fifty Two stuff. Yeah, and and I, I wasn't really actively collecting comic books at this point. Um, so it's just you know, it's something I discovered later. You know, this and of course the work that he had done with um, Gail Simone and Action Comics the year before. Which it ended, and then after that was, of course, the, I believe the last series he did was the JLA Classified, because Doom Patrol was was before that. It was more like uh, be, uh, early in the millennium. 
Yeah, well, I thought Doom Patrol was kind of right after this, wasn't it? If I remember right, Doom Patrol was actually before it, but I'm, I'm taking a look. Because around 2007, 2008 was really the last... The last thing he did was the JLA Classified, and that was the last work he did for DC. After that, he started over at IDW. He'd done, like, FX, and then he did Star Trek Assignment Earth. Um... And I can take a look back because now you got me curious about Doom Patrol. But I, yeah, Doom Patrol was 2004. Yeah, I'd like to cover some more of that in too. 2005. Yeah, get back into that with because uh, we just covered that with just us, but we could cover that with uh, the rest of the guys. But but I need to uh, figure out where Lab Rats plays within all this too, because um, when he was working on like Marvel: The Hidden, The Lost Generation. I think um, he had Lab Rats coming out because Lab Rats took place after Generation, if I remember right. Never read. I wasn't aware of Lab Rats and I haven't read. There's a lot of his stuff. I've got blind spots for a lot of those stuff that's not. It's later when I was kind of getting out of comics and I wasn't. I was reading just kind of three or four issues of stuff that I was like Spider-Man and stuff like that. I wasn't reading everything. Yeah, Lab Rats started in 2002, and it reached around the the DC universe. So you got to play, in, he got to play in the sandbox. Um, so he'd have Superman and other characters show up there. I think they got more more guest spots there than he did when he did Doom Patrol. Yeah, well, I kind of like that. I know Batman shows it a couple times, but I like that this kind of is playing in its own little corner. Of DC, it's it's obviously connected to DC, but you don't have to have uh, any of the, the big guys or even anybody kind of showing up. He can do his own thing mm-hmm. without having to worry about uh, how he's going to interact with quote superheroes. So, but see, that's this is what what I want to see Byrne do, and you know, I I'm enjoying his work on you know Elsewhere right now because. He is just playing in the Marvel sandbox, and if he needs someone, he pulls him in. You know, it, you know, there there isn't a character he's afraid to pull. I mean, he's got to make it logical for them to show up or be there. You know, like he, how he made sparing use of Spider-Man during the whole Sentinel bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, he can, frankly, because he's doing it for himself, he can do whatever he wants. But to your point, right. he is going to be... He is going to approach it more logically so that, you know, I'm not going to throw in this character just because I like this character. It has to make sense. And I'm sure that goes with, well, I guess if you're, as, as a writer, you're, you're you're bound to, hey, I want to use this character. Don't say no because now he's because he's going to be doing something over here. Uh, I wonder if, if that's less this in this day and age because they don't seem to be as uh, tied to continuity as they used to where mm-hmm. books don't seem to intermingle as much. Um as to were back in you know, the eighties or maybe early nineties where you would, you couldn't, you know, you can't do this with this character cause he's in this other book doing this other thing. I don't know. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure it's amazing with, with the amount of restrictions you've got that you can write a decent story uh, anyway. So uh, kudos for him pulling this off because he does seem like he's pulling a lot of storylines in and trying to explain what would have happened. Uh, I don't know where this story, if this would have been his next storyline, or if he had a couple others in between, if they hadn't given him the you know the one year later, he could have just carried this out to its natural. Uh, yeah. People have asked him that about you know, hey, they'd like to see him do a, a series of books to kind of fill in that year, and he said, well, I had to abandon those storylines, so there's really you know, he he didn't seem like he was interested in telling it. Yeah. Kind of like um, when uh, Roy Thomas got 
Jack got his knees whacked with All-Star Squadron coming up to Crisis where, you know, they completely just ripped the rugs out under everybody and everything that he he had built All-Star Squadron on was just gone. Yeah, I always had a problem with, you know, the um, All-Star Squadron, the Infinity Inc., the, uh, what, what's that, the All-Winner Squad, teams like that. Because what villain is going to sit there and go, oh, my God, no, it's the All-Star Squadron, you know? Or it's the all winner squad. Wait, wait, which group is this? Okay, they got this guy, they got that guy, they got. Okay, so they're actually the the invaders. No. Well, I guess it'd be better than the all loser squadron. Oh. You know, they have to. Uh, I, I like to write Thomas as a writer. I've never, I know he has infinity for that stuff. I've never read. Uh, what, what's the one he does at Marvel, John? You were talking about it the other day. Uh, the invaders? Inva- the invaders. Uh, the, the invaders, yeah. We're, yeah. Um, but I've never read any of his, any of his stuff, but. A little few things I've read of his I like. So. Okay, I, I, I'm going to break here off of the subject for just a moment and, and state something that Byrne had posted on his website this week. And I hope this doesn't negatively impact anybody. But he's got a, uh, a subject on his forum that says, Do not Google costume fail. He says not to Google costume fail? And then he says, this is your only warning. Well, and of course. I, you know, the, the thing is now it's, it's like telling someone not to think about elephants. All you can right, think about yeah, is elephants. All, yeah. So I mean, you like, like, oh, <laughs> don't do it. I, I, I'm really, really trying to resist the urge. I was hoping somebody else would do it and, and then come back and say what it is. But unfortunately nobody has done that yet. Damn you burn. <laughs> Playing his tricks uh, on this. Yes. Well, uh, I think, I think I, I, you know, everything I could think of, I've talked about. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think um, I think we've got a pretty good job of covering. I mean, uh, John, you said you hadn't read it, but it did whet your appetite to read some more. So that's it that's, did. That's a good sign. Look, so you know, the the series is only seventeen issues long, so it's something that you can, you know, like if you've got a, a weekend where you're going to be reading, that's something you could go through the whole thing. You don't have to have any other series to sit there and pull from. Uh, to tie into or anything, you know, so it, 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 it's something you can, you can do all in one and, uh, you know, don't have to sit there and worry about looking at something else. Uh, and you know, he, because, you know, he was informed of what was going on. He, the story definitely has a beginning, a middle, a hiccup, and then the end, uh, (laughs) thanks to the one year later. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I found it to be entertaining. Uh, definitely, it's something that I will always, you know, that I'll pull out every couple of years and reread. And then, you know, at some point, I'll remember it better that way as a result. It, it was one of those series that made me think a little bit of Highlander and a little bit of Indiana Jones. Um, or at least that's the vibe I always got from Jason Blood. Yeah. Well, he's, he's shown up, uh, I know the character has shown up in a, an animated form several places. I think he's been in the uh, Batman originals animated. He's been in... Uh, is he in Justice League Dark? He is in that. There's a... I, uh, I haven't watched that yet, and I really want to. I, I really liked Matt Ryan's Constantine in the live-action series. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, not as much on Legends of Tomorrow. They they had to lighten his tone uh-huh. somewhat. But uh, his, his... And you can see his whole series, I think... I don't know if it's on HBO Max. I know it was on the DC app. Um, is that even a thing anymore? Is the I DC app still out I there? I thought that stuff had all jumped to HBO. 
It's yeah, the it should. And my wife bought a year subscription, so I'm sure she got screwed out of that. <laughs> but well, uh, I, yeah, I think any, we covered any, everything. Yeah, any final thoughts? Um, no. I mean, I think yeah. I think if you're not into, uh, and I'll, I'm gonna ask this to you, John, because I don't know if I get this from Brian, but are, are are you just not like into horror comics? Is it why you kind of hadn't read this or? Um, I a little of both. I mean, like House of Mystery and stuff, I kind of liked. Uh, just because it was a that type of a anthology mm-hmm. type of thing, so those mystery and you know so those kind of those kind of stories I could always I like because you pick them up, put them down, and you didn't yeah. have to really follow them closely or anything. Yeah. Um, the whole the whole thing with the demon, I guess maybe because it was just he's kind of a it's a complicated character and it's mm-hmm. this whole back and forth. I just I just never got into uh, the demon. Uh, over at Marvel, I never got into the gargoyle. I thought it was kind of just a weird knockoff uh, of the demon. Huh? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, totally. But um, yeah, it just it just never really intrigued me. And I guess maybe because well, I never saw, I never read the Jack Kirby stuff, the original series, and so anytime he popped up, it was always just kind of as a, a guest star, and I was just like, yeah, I never see. Yeah, and, and it, I could, yeah, I could see that some. Keep cutting you off. Yeah, it was just never, <laughs> never intriguing enough for me to say, "Ooh, I want to, I want more of him." Yeah, I never, you know, the thing is, I never saw the early series of the Demon, uh, the Kirby one or the others. The, the first time I saw the Demon was actually in a Blue Ribbon Digest of Secret Origins, and I think I talked about this last year. But it was a, uh, of course, it was in a digest, and it was the cur- original Kirby story, mm-hmm. which if you take that kind of art and compress it down into digest format, it is freaking gorgeous and detailed and just beautiful to look at. Um, but that was my the, the first time I got to see anything with the demon. The next time I saw him was in Action Comics 586 or something around that era area when Byrne had taken over and was doing action comics as a as a uh, team team up up. yeah well that's the thing that was my knowledge of the demon is to john's point him guest starring and stuff and that was a Mm -hmm. that was a lot a lot of characters that way uh, marvel or dc is and maybe he is suited more for limited runs or guest starring or things like that but uh, i think burn did a good job of, of having a an interesting story with the character uh for this run maybe you couldn't get 50 issues out of something like this, but uh, I think he did a good job with the 17. He could have done a little more. Um, well, I think the thing that Byrne did good that other writers had a hard time doing. Other writers, when they did the demon, they almost treated it like a Banner-Hulk dichotomy, mm-hmm. you know? And where, where you know, was Jason Blood was the was the main character and the demon was just what you brought out when you needed stuff to get, beat, you know, destroyed. Yeah. And Byrne used, you know, Byrne used them both separately for their own plot points. And, uh, you know, he made it by far a more interesting character that way. Well, I thought it was interesting that Byrne has said that when he was doing the demon, he kept really pushing DC to put out a collected version of Kirby's stuff. And they kept telling mm-hmm. him there was no market for it. It's like, you're telling the guy who's currently doing a demon book, there's no market for the character he's working on. Which I thought was astounding, but I think there's a there's a demon omnibus now, isn't there? Yeah, there is. it, it was it wasn't wasn't put up far after that. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, when Mark and I don't know how to pronounce the guy's last name, Evanier, um, put out that big Kirby 
um, it's the love of Kirby book. Is it's just a, a Jack Kirby, um, huge coffee table book of his work. It really, you know, I mean, that thing sold really, really well. But you can still find it today at a really good price. That's um, and uh, I think after that, they decided, yeah, let's go ahead and, and put this out. And uh, so there's the Kirby omnibus, and there's, I think there's an omnibus of the other demon appearances all put together. Yeah. I, I needed to look into that to be yeah. to be sure. Well, the demon. Yeah, go ahead. Well, obviously he's a kind of a character, and you see him in Marvel and DC that never quite gets a full run, but he's he's done you know he's done eight volumes. And every time they try to do it, he'll last a little bit, and then they'll they'll cancel. Then they'll bring it back later. So it's like this character, Volume Eight, because they keep trying to get him a. Uh, he can't get a long run. He keeps getting a, a regular running series throughout. You know, every three or four or five years, they try to bring something else out. Um, I don't think he's currently doing anything now. Uh, and then it's not even the fifty-two now. What's it called? What? <laughs> What's it called now? It's a. Uh, We're past rebirth. Is it rebirth? Is that after uh, the new fifty-two? Re- re- Rebirth is after New 52, I thought. So aren't they still in Rebirth, or is there something new now? I don't even know. I don't. Yeah, I think I'm, they are calling it something different, but... Uh, I'm, I'm so far out of the loop on current comics now, I couldn't tell, tell you anything about what's going on. Yeah, I'm, I'm not even... I'm not seeing the, the Demon Omnibus by Jack Kirby. I do see the Demon Book 1 of 1, but it's a paperback. Um, uh, no, there is a Demon Omnibus by Kirby. I'm just looking at it on Amazon. Came out in 2017. Mm. Uh, 384 pages, so that's what 2018 okay. issues, maybe. Uh, Prime has it for uh, thirty dollars. It's not bad. Oh. It's not bad. So that's. I guess I had to put Kirby. In and some there. of that kind of crazy Kirby stuff is you want yeah. to read about ten issues, like Omac. Uh, <laughs> is commandy commandy although i i've been slowly collecting all the commandy stuff but i haven't read them so i've been trying to collect i recently read last year devil dinosaur that's just some (laughs) crazy kirby stuff that it's just fun to read you know because it's kind of all unhinged you know it's just kirby at his his most imaginative yeah yeah i have the commandy um both of the omnibus the two the two volumes that came out was uh, that so that's I think up to like issue forty or something. Mm-hmm. So well, they you need guys to... are better readers than I. <laughs> I haven't read them but... all yet. Um, I'm slowly working through it. Um, it's it's really weird because you think oh I'll just read it'd be great to read all these things you know back to back to back and I'm like after about four or five issues I'm like okay I I, I got to read something else now. yeah yeah take a break yeah yeah yeah. Uh, and then it makes me think, you know, all those years when I was a kid, how I, I would read them one a month. Once once a month, you got that issue. You had to wait to get it all. So, all right. yeah, fun stuff. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the commandy stuff is interesting. It, it's fun. You're just kind of taken in a whole new place. And, uh, yeah, crazy Kirby, Kirby was really very creative. He was. I mean, I think no matter what you want to say, we brought this up before about, you know, Stan and, and Jack and, you know, who gets credit for what. But uh, there's no doubt that Kirby is one. He's a fantastic artist and he's got a crazy imagination. But he he, do, he does need somebody to kind of rein him in a little bit. He did, he needed somebody as a little stronger storyteller. I think he's a, he's good at concepts. But, you know, they, they Bird himself mentions that when he did the first he didn't he hadn't thought out the demon when he did the demon. In the first issue, it's established that, you know, you know, a thousand years ago, he was turned into Jason Blood. 
And then when at the end of that, when he's transformed back into Etragon, that's the first time. So he hasn't been Etragon in like a thousand years. But then later on, Kirby would constantly reference that he had been Etragon in those intervening years. So it said, you yeah, know, it said he, he hadn't really thought it out when he was he doing it. He would contradict himself. Yeah. yeah. But if he was just doing it as a one and done thinking, oh, they're making me do this book. I don't like horror. I'm going to do it. And then suddenly it's sold. He's like, oh, crap. Now I've got to continue it. Uh, you know, kind of yeah. like John Byrne on Alpha Flight. Oh man, I don't yeah. want to do this yeah. stupid book, you know. And then it was like, or then everyone loved it, and he's yeah. like, oh man, no, I'm stuck on it for it. three yeah. years. Yeah, but. yeah. I was reading Andrew Leyland had made a comment today or the other day, stating how you know that hit him right at the perfect sweet spot. So he's got a a great affection for Alpha Flight. So we'll have to pull him on the show if we if we cover another issue of that coming up anytime soon. That'd be soon. cool, yeah. And think about getting Andy on, yeah. And that's, that'd be interesting uh, timing schedule, but... Uh-oh. Yeah, it probably can, be, can after, be done after the new year. We'd probably have to do it after the new year. We just it would fit with our Sunday like schedule if he's available yeah, you know, yeah. in the afternoon. Yeah, because I true. think he records Saturday mornings with Paul and... Gene for uh, Listen to the Prophets. So now let me ask you, what what are we covering next? Well, we, uh, we'll refer to John for that. We are covering Captain America. Uh, shoot, now I don't know the full story. <laughs> Was it two fifty four? Two fifty three, two fifty four with Baron Blood, the Return of Baron Blood. Man, um, I'm looking forward. This is a really great story. Vampires, ooh. yeah, vampires, the, the ghosts, rebirth and of mysteries, and <laughs> windy, rainy nights, and the whole thing. Yeah, I haven't read that story, so I'm interested too. It's gonna be. I've got. You it, haven't? I, I haven't read I thought, it. I thought you had. No, I've, I've I've kind of thumbed through it, you know, because I've got them, but yeah, I haven't sat down and read them. So that'll be. Uh, I'm looking forward. It'd to be it. funny it's to yeah. to read that, you know, because we had covered. Um, that storyline with with them in it in uh, Namor, mm-hmm. and you remember what happened to Lady? What was what was she called? Lady Spitfire. Well, well Spitfire was her code name. Uh, Lady Fallsworth. Jacqueline Lady Fallsworth. Fallsworth. Yeah, yeah, Jacqueline Fallsworth. You know, so you get to see that. Of course, in this one, we I think we get to see a little bit of Bernie Rosenthal too. Mm-hmm. And uh, no, it's, yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. Um, so you're doing the heavy lifting on this. Yes, I am. John is going to right. Since I recommended it, I'm the one that's got to do it. <laughs> You're stuck with it. <laughs> but, now, let me ask you guys, you know, uh, here we are. We're uh, 11 days from Halloween. Uh, now, Tim, I know you and Fanula, you know, used to do a pretty big production for Halloween. Uh, big decorations on the house. Have you done we, that as I've, much out there? As much as I could. We don't have big a yard. Uh, mm-hmm. So I've got kind of a... a, a bit of a yard between our house and the next house so i've, I've kind of set my graveyard up there i've got my coffin out i've uh, i've got lights out as best i can but um it's not you know it's kind of a shadow of what it was uh back in texas and uh, frankly a lot of stuff we could move out here so a friend of mine that's kind of into halloween too uh that i worked with or work with back at freeman uh, inherited a lot of my he got my werewolf crate he got a lot of my tombstones he got my Custom mm. columns I'd made, uh, and some custom door door fronts with windows in them. So wow. he got a lot of yeah. I just didn't have any room to, you know. We were thinking about packing. Yeah. I kept my coffin. I did because I spent too much time building <laughs> that thing. Um, but um, are you are you guys giving out candy this year? 
We will, but according to our neighbor, the trick or treating right here is not very good. It's uh, he said you can so you get maybe twenty kids, and I don't know if it's just the neighborhood and, or and, and this year with the pandemic, you know, it's going to be cut down quite a bit. Yeah, probably. I don't know how that's gonna how that's gonna. I don't know how that's going to work with, because uh, we always set out, girls, I don't know what, you know, you do a bigger production for that than we do, Brian, because you can serve hot dogs and give out drinks and do a yeah, whole we, thing. Yeah, and we wow. would do all that. And we're not, yeah, obviously we're not going to do the hot dogs this year. We are going to uh, pass out candy. Um, and thanks to the next door app, we were already able to set our neighbor's expectations Oh. And let them know. I, I let them know uh, a couple weeks back. You know, just because of the pandemic and just the way things are, it, we figured it would be best not to do that. But we'll still hand out candy. Yeah, we'll hand it out. Uh, us, John, I don't know how. If we're gonna throw it to kids, or I don't know how it's gonna work. A, a candy cannon. Have you, yeah. you? You can buy them at all the Halloween stores now. Candy cannons. Uh, now, John, you're you're on a corner lot, aren't you? I am. Uh, do you? I mean, do you guys get much traffic normally? Actually, no, you know, usually for some reason, like generally some folks will stop by. There's not a lot of kids in the neighborhood anymore. It's more of a uh, empty nester, older mm -hmm. folks, you know, it's a nice mix of folks, but just not a lot of little kids because the houses are pretty small. So they're really hard to raise families. <laughs> in. so, um, so we get some, some visitors and they're usually really little kids, like three to eight. Hmm. and uh, years years of age and usually by the time it gets dark they're done for the night so yeah. we might get around 20 of them not very many yeah we got yeah. a lot and not you know to pat ourselves on the back but i think we got a lot because we became known for having the big house you know where nobody yeah. else really did up what we did and, and you're in a new neighborhood now yeah. and nobody knows you yeah yeah we and just... it, again we 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 got our neighborhood big our neighborhood was very slight when uh, when my wife and I got married, we, you know, we were not getting much traffic, maybe, you know, like you guys say, 20, maybe 30 families uh, in, in, you know, three hours. And now, uh, in, in up to last year, it had become a major production and the street would just be full of people because they all want to come over and get the hot dogs and mm -hmm. stuff. And we probably give out, I'd say, a total of uh, 150 hot dogs. Wow. That's a lot. And then, you know, several cases of bottled water. And I, I was even making hot chocolate last year, and, and we went, went through all that. And I mean, it was it was a real cool thing. It's a lot of fun. And my son, you know, being at his age now, he no longer wants to trick-or-treat. So he was like, yeah, let, let me go ahead and scare people and whatnot, you know. And he was looking at being able to do different things in the yard to, to do it. Because my wife would put out the smoke with the fog machines and whatnot. Yeah, we had foggers, and I would... Mm -hmm. I, I dress as a werewolf, and Fidel dresses as a witch. And I would, uh, and I had a kind of a little elaborate werewolf mask, and I put some LED lights in the eyes, and I would stand there like I was an ornament. So people would come up, and they would think I was um, just a piece of the, you know, I was a, a, a prop. And then I would uh -huh. kind of start watching him and moving my head, and I would I got a kick out of scaring the little kids. And I got, you know, sometimes some of the little kids are too hip, and they like, oh, I know you're fake, and then. It was the teenage girls that you could really scare. So um, <laughs> that's the kind of stuff we used to do. That that I think, uh, yeah, your son's going to be once he gets, you know, he's at that age that he can kind of now participate, and do that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, here's hoping everybody has a has a great Halloween. I mean, I think we've got at least one more show coming out mm -hmm. uh, before Halloween itself. 
Yeah, I think and we'll... Then, this and then one, we're going to take a break. Yeah. This one will drop... Uh, we'll try to get this one out this week. And the next one, I think, we can drop on... Well, Halloween's Saturday, right? So we can drop it Saturday. So it'll be out actually on Halloween instead of a normal Sunday. Mm. That'll be an album. Right. Uh, yeah, I hope everybody, to your point, I hope everybody just stay safe. You know, you know, follow the rules. Wear your mask. Wear your mask under your mask if you have to. Um, <laughs> and just be careful. But, you know... I hope everybody is able to have some semblance of a normal Halloween. So I think everybody needs a little cheering up now. So hopefully uh, it won't be too dour for everybody. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think people are, are looking forward to something different. And so yeah. Halloween's just the thing. And then, of course, we have elections right after that. So we'll we'll, we'll know what the, the timber and the mood of the world, is, yeah. or at least our world, is going to be after that. So yeah. Absolutely. Whew. Hopefully it'll turn out for the best. Turn out better than it is. You know, we'll just have to wait so. and see. Uh, I I don't have anything else. Um, I don't either. We I think uh... don't have any feedback really. Uh, I know we've got listeners because our show is getting downloaded uh, in good numbers. So and even uh, Apple Podcast is showing it's getting pulled down in good numbers there. So I know we got listeners, but we're not getting any feedback. Nobody's telling us, you know, do they like it? Is there something else we could cover? You know, so we'd really like to hear from you. Yeah, you can email us at gottagetburned at gmail.com. You can give us a review at, uh, at Apple Podcasts. And, uh, you know, of course, we always have our Facebook page. Uh, for third degree burnout there. Yeah, so yeah, you know, just yeah, let us know. Yeah, Facebook page, I think, is probably the most immediate feedback you know just post something there you know just uh, and we've got a lot of members people keep joining more and more i think we've, we've got over 200 people that have joined the group so uh you know if you like what we're doing that's that's cool but if you hate what yeah. we're doing let us know or, or you know if, if we're always we'll, we'll cover anything so if you want you know hey i've always wanted you to cover this x-men issue he did you know let us know or some obscure burn thing or if you want us to go back to the standards and do some fantastic four or some superman uh we're open for anything yep yep i mean we've we've color covered wheelie and the chopper bunch <laughs> yeah you know yeah, yeah that was a great show with scott gardner so. <laughs> yeah we covered doomsday plus one we've and i mean we've covered you know x-men elsewhere and we're probably going to go ahead and cover uh a couple new issues here yeah Within the next few weeks, uh, after the fun of Halloween and all that wears off, yeah, yep. Um, we even covered Burns' first fan fiction, which was uh, a Fantastic Four book he did uh, back in '73, and that was one of the well, it was like in their first uh, ten shows, wasn't it? Yeah, it was That's early right. on. Yeah, that with was... uh, Frank Canepa joined us mm -hmm. for that one, and you know the funny thing is, is because Burns' art gallery. A specific one that was for his website has gone away. You can't find those pages, the uh, uninked page, the pencil pages. Hmm. You can only find the inked ones that were part of that contest. Now there was a a uh, web page out there that had reproduced the article from Comics Interview, but that web page is also down, and so I can't find those pencil pages anymore. Because we used to have a link for it on, well, we have a link for it on the original uh, posting for that that uh, episode, but uh, the link goes to a dead dead site now. It's like well, a four hundred four area. I downloaded them, I think, all as PDFs, and I kind of zipped them together to kind of read them. So I've got, I think, I think either you sent them to me or I went to his site and downloaded it for the show. But I've got a 
collection of them. Maybe maybe I've got it on a backup drive. If you don't let me know, I can I can share the ones I've got. All right. All right. Thank or, you. Thank yeah, you. Put them on. Well, uh, does anybody else have anything else to say? No, I don't. I don't think so. It was a good show. I mean, I missed David and Kirk, but uh, we did. It's always uh, fun to have John on. Uh, and of course have Brian on and I think we did a good show here you know, we'll, we'll hopefully have the whole team uh, for the next one the big, kind of our big Halloween wrap up uh, with the Cap uh, Bear and Blood uh, issues John is, is feverishly working on uh, all his notes right now so yeah, it won't be too bad uh, Yeah. Well, right. well, well John do you want to take us out? yeah, hey thanks everyone for listening to us and if uh, you have feed. When you have feedback, not if, we want your feedback. Uh, send it to us uh, either on the Facebook page by Messenger or on our email, gottagetburned at gmail.com. And uh, thanks for listening. Say goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>